This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. But you know what? They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show, sucker! Summertime is here, and things are getting Angkor hot at Six Hags Cryptid Kingdom. Hachi Mama. Pending our appeal to the state legislature, Six Hags Cryptid Kingdom is open for business and better than ever. Lado Guran, be savage. Test your convictions and your faith in the U.S. Constitution in the InfoWars Descent into Madness. This summer, I'm a man, and I'm coming. Enjoy the fresh summer air in our three-acre outdoor hedge maze, the Floral Castle. Made with real Latvian lilacs. And when you get hungry, head on over to Nacho Saints. Mmm, snacks! Formerly El Dorito. Then pull up a pervert stool at the La Corona Cantina. Sponsored by Corona. Do you feel the need for speed? Then experience the full fury of the Driver Demon Go-Kart Track. Wicked pisser! Formerly Wendy Go-Kart. And gaze in wonder as entertainment meets education in Uncle Dave's Primamelian Dimetrodon Diorama and Time Ride. It's almost accurate! And for a sugary treat, bring the kids down to the Dulce-based subterranean sweet store. Seven levels of candy the government doesn't want you to know about. And laugh those calories off at the Yona Looney Comedy Club. Featuring two-time runner-up on Branson's Got Talent, Diva! If putting rolling skates on goat to get to store is your version of roller coastings, it might be my mother. And don't forget to bring the children to pet our miniature ponies with our on-site expert, Tiny the Gelder. The gelding's done off-site. Mm. Hold your breath and pray for rain on the looming fog log flume. I can't breathe! Then dry off in crazy Ivan Sandstorm. Don't spend this summer out in the woods. Get the Rendlesham 4-pack on sale back now. Only at Six Hags Cryptid Kingdom, where, where the, the whole family gets its taste. Nice, nice, eh? nice, eh? nice, nice. Oh boy, oh boy! I cannot wait to save those Coke cans up and get some oh. free parking at the old Six Hags this year. The key is the free parking. I think we all we all agree that it's about the free parking, right? <laughs> I haven't been to an amusement park in a long time. Yeah, you know me neither. I realized that I, for as long as I lived in Chicago, I never went to Six Flags. It was right there, and I never yeah, went. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been either. Hashtag regrets. My amusement park is now and shall forever be Disney. Well, and and Waterloo, Iowa. Oh, that is an amusement park. <laughs> We're going back. We're going to have a return. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I don't think there's any way shy of, like, irritating, shaky GoPros. I don't think we need to record us, but... Uh, when we when you come out here for the Dave Cathalon, yeah, I'm gonna uh, buy I'm gonna buy an Archer sleeve. By the way, yeah, I've got to, yeah, so, a full Katniss Everdeen arm, yeah, because I don't want to f up my arm. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I just thought we were gonna play paintball, but whatever. What's important is that we're hunting well, each we other that for too. fun. I'm David Hello, Flora. I'm, <laughs> I'm Dave Stecco. <laughs> Welcome to Blurry Photos. You are on the coaster now. That's right. And you're you're getting jarred around like the old person that we all are. <laughs> yep. And nothing says summertime has arrived like another brilliant Six Hags Cryptid Kingdom yeah. commercial. It's sort of like a a rite of passage for summer <laughs> uh, when yep. it gets so ball blisteringly hot that 
that we have to do a, a six hags. Super then, descriptive. Then Ooh. you know. <laughs> we didn't use the ball pit, did we? Oh, no. We never had to oh. <laughs> take a peek under the tartan tent at the Scottish cannibal pit. <laughs> <laughs> Feast your eyes. <laughs> there you go. A little bonus there for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you come up with a bunch and you just throw the dart. But hope everybody's doing okay. Absolutely. Uh, hope everybody's staying cool. Importantly, and yeah, importantly, and um, hope you're ready for a hot ass mystery. Oh yeah. Hope hope you're gonna sit back and say Hachi Mama. <laughs> Hachi Mama. <laughs> What's this? Flora about out? melted my brain with that <laughs> phrase tonight, and it's gonna be my favorite thing for a long time. <laughs> That's hot. I'm calling it now. Hachi Mama is the new I Poppy. Oh, gross. <laughs> Uh, real quick, thanks to everyone who voted in the uh, Chicago Reader uh, yes. poll that they are collecting the votes now, and we'll know that's supposed to come out who who won uh, on June 22nd in their print edition right. or whatever. I'm sure it'll be on the website, but we'll be trying to forget about it uh, until then so <laughs> until that it's a surprise. Then. So thanks if you if you voted and, and got a bunch of people to vote and yep. all that good stuff. We do appreciate and that. Also, thank you for voting in the 2017 Ms. Cryptid Contest. Oh Ladies and gentlemen, gosh. it's done. It is. The 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 winner has been selected and quote unquote live, which is to say I'll do it while we're recording. We shall select the winner of the 2017 Ms. Cryptid Prize Pack. That's right. That is right. I was confused there for a second when you said the winner has been selected. I was like, oh no, really? Uh, the votes have been tallied and the actual cryptid ha- yep. has has won. And yeah, live at the end of this episode, we'll draw for who wins the mm-hmm. prize pack, which is pretty f- sweet y'all yeah yeah we you know you we really try to make a prize pack that's worth winning every year so yeah there's some pretty great shit in there this time around there's and by there's, shit, i mean stuff and by stuff i mean crap <laughs> and by <laughs> crap i mean fabulous prizes there's definitely junk but there's some real cool stuff too Woo! <laughs> I'm just going to keep undercutting everything you say. <laughs> I love it. I'm in love and I'm in love with it. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Yep. But here, guess what you don't have to stay tuned for this episode. It's on. Oh. It's on right now. That's right. Let's, let's keep it rolling because we're going to be talking about the bizarre death of Zygmunt Adamski, which is a fun name anyway. We might be doing this even if he just, you know, worked for a telecommunications company. Just based on the name alone. Don't you want to know what Zygmunt Adamski's up to? I know I do. Oh, yeah. Pretty creepy case when you mm-hmm. when you look into it. And then um, I found it was very uh, uh, interesting to go into and sort through all the stuff in the case. Yeah. Find out the, the information. Kind of think about uh, stuff and see what, what we came up with. So I think you're going to... Uh, enjoy this one. Yes, I do too. Ha- had you ever heard about this, Dave? I I feel like you and I talked about this one briefly a while ago, and then we kind of forgot about it. I think we were going to do this a while ago, and then finally remember to come back around to it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's thrown around there in some of the 
here's a creepy story that that people have yeah. have no idea what happened with. So I thought it might be interesting to tell you all about. And you know, Dave, death by mysterious circumstance is not an uncommon occurrence. Nope. There's a lot of TV shows that it, that's what their job is to figure it out. Oh yeah, and. To add to that, there's no end to podcasts out there that deal with them. But the less reported are deaths where one of the leading causes happens to be UFO. What? Yeah, such is the case in the bizarre death in 1980 of Zygmunt Adamski, a 56-year-old collier living in Tingley, Yorkshire, England. Now, as we learned on a previous episode, a collier makes charcoal there you go i i mean what are the odds of a that being a thing we learned and and having it come back how fun is that right a disappearance odd discovery strange details and possible alien abduction of a police officer all converge in a mystery that remains unsolved and may stay that way dave until the end of the episode in which case we'll solve the out of it oh my oh my Yep. We'll be taking a look at what supposedly happened to Mr. Adamski, details of the case, what has been discovered in the years since the investigation, and also take a look at the claims of Alan Godfrey, a police constable who first examined the body and later went on to say he witnessed a UFO and was possibly abducted by aliens. What could have happened to the Collier back in 1980? Did the constable run across a UFO? And what did the vicar think? And what did the vicar think? Uh, what's all this tonight? <laughs> we'll present the facts and you can try and suss out an explanation in the death of Zygmunt Adamski. Bonk, wing. <laughs> I'm going to stop uh, using that sound because I like the way you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty interesting uh, case. Now, I've worked a little but not enough on, on the old Yorkshire accent, so I'm not going to be... <laughs> Oh, not gonna that, be doing that one. Oh, disagree. That's that's a reason to do it more. <laughs> White rose. All right, let's let's get into a chronology yeah. of events. Yeah, let's let's it. lay out a timeline and then start plucking it like a harp string. I don't know. I don't know how yeah, it's gonna end. No, that. that'll that'll work. That'll work. So Zygmunt Adamski, sometimes spelled Z Y G M U N D, sometimes Z Y G M U N T. That was just his neighbor that hated him and tried to get everybody to call him Zygmunt. This is a pretty good way to piss somebody off. I'd do it. Call you David. Yeah, exactly. That would that would slowly make you crazy. People in like elementary school used to call me David. And is that it was just I a, feel like the, a southern thing, I think, but that's what I was gonna say. I feel like that's like a Kentucky accent thing. David, David, get over here. David. Yeah, but it still yeah. is annoying. He was born in nineteen twenty three in Poland. The details of his early life aren't clear from what I've found, believe it or not. There are a couple of pieces of information that fill in the gaps, but one of them has to be wrong. Two truths and a lie. Two truths and a lie. Yeah. So um, He was making charcoal from a very early age. He once won a contest uh, to see who could whistle a, a jingle for chewing gum the best. And he had a dog named Tum Tum. Two truths and a lie. It was a cat. It was the cat. That was the lie. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's that traveling trivia wizard. 
<laughs> if a gift certificate you'd like to see, then answer me my riddles three. <laughs> the worst wizard. <laughs> Triviazard. Uh, one article said he moved to Britain after World War II, where he met and married a woman named Leocadia, or Lottie, in 1951. Another said he met Lottie in Poland and married her there in 1957, then moved to Tingley, England in 1960. Oh, Tingley, England, welcome home, says Ed Sands Zygmunt. <laughs> He's called it Tingley, England since he was a little boy on account of how excited he got, eh? A bit of Tingley, England there for you. In either case, he became a British citizen, and there, in the Yorkshire countryside, he found a job as a collier at Lofthouse Colliery and lived a happy, unassuming life. Tingling all the while. <laughs> to neighbors, they were friendly people and the epitome of average. Kept a tingling to themselves, did they? <laughs> okay, I'm done. It's just, I just, I want to live in tingly England. Tingland. Tingland. Now, let's 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 cut to let's cut to the day in question here, okay? Okay. June sixth, nineteen eighty. Dexie's midnight runners have barely started to jog. <laughs> uh, the Adamskis were hosting a lunch for family who were in town for Zygmunt's goddaughter's wedding the next day. After lunch, around three thirty PM, he left to go to the grocery store to pick up some things for the next day's festivities. You know, potatoes and such. Taters. Maybe a brace of conies. Potatoes. He chatted briefly with a neighbor as he walked by, who recalled him being friendly, happy, and in high spirits. And that was the last person to see him alive. Yeah. So five days go by with no hide or hair of Zygmunt to be found. Uh, Then, around 3.45 on the afternoon of June 11th, Trevor Parker, the son of Tomlin's coal yard owner, J.W., saw someone lying on a pile of coal out in the yard. Thinking he was maybe just a drunkard, you know, tingly England being what it is. Trevor called the police and ambulance who came right away. Parker later said, quote, Flora, I was loading my truck for the last delivery of the day. The body was just lying there in plain sight. I didn't know if the man was dead or alive. He gave me a terrible fright, so I called the police and an ambulance. I didn't want to be out there by myself. I was scared and the body gave me a very eerie feeling. I have no idea how the man got in the yard. But I can tell you one thing for absolute certain. There was nobody on that coal pile when I loaded my truck earlier. Now, for the record, dear listeners, Flora gets a pass on the accent here because we are discussing the manner of a man's death. And while inevitably I will forget that at some point, while we do recall it, we try to be respectful of that. So just nobody hammer Flora on that. That's He's making the better call. Yeah, I get hammered e- either way in this one. <laughs> Please, Hammer, don't hurt him. <laughs> I don't do the accent. You should have done an accent. I do the accent. That's not a Yorkshire accent. Yeah. Yeah, you can't win. So so you're, you don't worry. Nothing's changed. <laughs> uh, PC Alan Godfrey and a colleague arrived and climbed up the 12-foot-high pile of coal to wake the vagrant up and discovered that not only was the body lifeless, it was that of Zygmunt Adamski. Uh, and that's where the details begin to take a pretty strange turn. Turns out Mr. Adamski was found wearing the clothes he set off to in the grocery, a suit and waistcoat, but no shirt. His trousers were also unzipped, and the suit jacket or coat was misbuttoned. His shoes were also tied crudely, 
His watch and wallet were gone, and most accounts say he was found lying face up on the coal pile. He was found to have burn marks around his neck and shoulders and the remnants of a gel-like substance on the burns. Godfrey reported that the coal pile was undisturbed and there was no evidence of a struggle or that anyone had climbed up or down the heap. This led someone, some people to speculate that he was dropped on the pile from above. And one big fact that added to the mystery, Tomlin's coal yard was located in Todd Morden, 20 miles from Tingley as the crow flies. Yeesh. Right. So now, five days later, we have the body of Zygmunt show up. It is 20 miles away from where he was last seen, to, from yeah. where he lived. Poorly redressed, Poorly missing redressed, stuff. yeah. Burn marks on him. Yeah. That's a lot of weird stuff, man. Yeah, it is. On a coal pile that they think no one walked up or down to put him on. Yeah, because, I mean, you can tell. Should be able to anyway. Yeah. So Mr. Adamski's body was taken to the nearby town of Hebden Bridge for autopsy, which was conducted by a Dr. Alan Edwards, consulting pathologist at the Royal Halifax Infirmary. Side note, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Hebden Bridge is just northwest of Who Hole, in case you're wondering. <laughs> oh, always wondering what's just northwest of the of Who Hole. <laughs> Dr. Edwards found more compelling oddities in the growing mystery. Turns out Mr. Adamski's body was clean, as if fresh from bathing. He had one day's beard growth. He had eaten well, though not on the day the body was found. The burns on his neck and shoulders seemed precise. Maybe like acid burns or some kind of corrosive agent doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And those apparently occurred a couple days prior to his death. Huh. The gel that was on them could not be identified. Dr. Edwards placed the time of death between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. on the day Mr. Adamski was found. And remember, he was found at 3.45, roughly. Yeah. While the exact cause of death wasn't 100% evident, it was eventually ruled a heart attack. Coroner James Turnbull said, It is quite the most mysterious death. I've investigated in 12 years. Now, see, I would have gone with it. It is quite the most mysterious death I've investigated in 12 years. Oh, really? Because you could have also been like, it's quite the most mysterious death I've investigated in 12 years. It is quite the most mysterious death I've investigated in 12 years. <laughs> Choose your own accent, everybody. Pick the one that most fits you. Wow. So perhaps the story could end there, and we could speculate on what a mystery it is and how we're all a little creeped out by the circumstances. Wait, can we just do that? It would save us some time. Let's just stop right there right. and just speculate. Because everybody wants to get to the winner of the prize pack anyway. Right? Not so fast, listeners. Turns out... There's a rather lengthy epilogue. hey Not six months after that terrible fate befell Mr. Adamski, Police Constable Alan Godfrey was involved in an odd occurrence of his own. Investigating a hot case of rogue cows, he was driving down Burnley Road in Todmorden around 5 a.m. Coming around a bend, he spotted a large mass a few hundred yards ahead in the road. Thinking it was an overturned bus, 
he slowed and approached it before noticing it was hovering five feet off the ground. Boy, that snow bus. Spinning so fast that it disturbed trees and bushes along the road. He tried calling into a station with both his car radio and personal radio. Both were dead. He recalled it making no noise or vibration, and as he sat in his car, he took out a pad of paper and began sketching it. He described it as diamond-shaped, with the bottom half rotating and the top sitting stationary. Suddenly, there was a burst of light, and he found himself driving again 20 to 30 yards past where he had seen the object. He stopped and looked back and said nothing was there save for a dry spot in the otherwise rain-dampened road, and he noticed his boots were split on the sole, as if he had been dragged along the floor and they had caught on something. After returning to the station, he noticed there was about 15 to 30 minutes of missing time, but he and two other officers went back to continue searching for the missing cows, because they've a duty. That's right. You don't shirk. No shirking. They found them in a field, to which the only point of access was across a bridge and through a locked gate. There was no sign of the cattle having walked there themselves, despite the ground being wet and easily disturbed. Godfrey insisted that the only way the cows could have gotten there was for them to have simply been dropped on the spot. He later found out three other officers had apparently seen lights in the sky around 5 a.m. Jesus. Yeah. So he eventually decided to report the occurrences per standard procedure, stiff upper everything, even though uh, the, some of the other officers ridiculed him. They, they accused him of having an upper lip that was loose. <laughs> if a flaccid upper lip. Oh, and there's, no, there's nothing worse. Now, the story got leaked to the press, which embarrassed his department and his family. And uh, Godfrey said that the department, uncomfortable with his newfound notoriety, pressured him to resign through such tactics as replacing his car with a bicycle. Jesus, that's <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, he did resign a few years later. Uh, one strange addendum to this part of the tale is that apparently Mr. Godfrey was involved in a fight while trying to arrest some thugs in 1977, a fight which left him with only one testicle and unable to lead a normal sex life or have children. Sometime after his UFO encounter, he and his wife were asleep when she heard a noise outside their house. She was unable to wake him and eventually fell back asleep. But the next morning, they had sex for the first time since 1977, resulting in another pregnancy for her. That's an awkward and private story. It is, isn't it? And Yeah. And how, how weird. Like, I, I think I would advise taking it with a grain of salt. Yeah, let's, I mean, come on, it's England, it's the last thing we need to ask about. (laughs) I mean, it, it, but it ties in to what we are gonna find out here in a moment about uh, his, his abduction, I think. Right. So, uh, Mr. Godfrey did finally undergo hypnotic regression therapy to try to figure out what had happened that night on Burnley Road. And according uh, to a report from British, British UFOlogist Jenny Randalls, quote, Under regression, he told of the bright light stopping the car engine, causing his radio and police handset both to be filled with static and then to be swamped by blinding light as he lost consciousness. His next recall was of being inside a strange room, 
more like a house than a spaceship, complete with a most unexpected large black dog. He was studied by a heavily bearded man who telepathically conveyed that his name was Yosef and whose clothing was very biblical in nature. Assisting Yosef were several small robot-like creatures, quote, the size of a five-year-old lad, and with, quote, a head shaped like a lamp. Godfrey was supposedly asked questions, told that he knew Yosef, and was promised a later encounter. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry to stop you, but I, I've thought this over and I decided there is a quote within a quote. And so the laws of our podcast dictate that I have to read that quote. Oh, okay. Assisting Yosef were several small robot-like creatures, quote, the size of a five-year-old lad, and with, quote, a head shake like a lamp. Godfrey was supposedly asked questions, told that he, quote, knew Yosef, <laughs> and was promised a later encounter. When asked his opinion as to the reality status of this hypnotic testimony, Alan Godfrey was refreshingly honest. He told me he was certain that the UFO encounter was real, but he could not determine whether the story offered by hypnosis was a dream, a fantasy, reality, or a mixture of all three. Which, I mean, honestly, that is pretty, like, yeah, I think it happened, but, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, think that's, I think that's as honest as you can get about a thing. Oh, yeah. I, when, when I did that, um, the hypnotic regression thing, I could describe it exactly the same way. It could be a dream, a fantasy, reality, or a mixture, you know? Yeah. It's just God, how those things I, go. I know we've said it before, but I mean, no, never, never no hypnotic regression for this, this pup named Scooby-Doo. Hard pass. Why? I just don't, I just don't want to enter into a realm in which my subconscious might start creating things that I've then forced to question if they're real or not. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I mean, I've described many, many, many of my dreams to you. It is that part of my brain is it, it has its own part of the house and it stays there. Don't go into the East wing. <laughs> Just shove the fish heads through the panel. Yeah, that's exactly it. There's a little <laughs> mail slot. Uh, now, as you can imagine, tabloids got the story and ran with it, even connecting it to the Adamski case. Uh, the Sunday mirror ran an article on September 27th, 1981 entitled amazing UFO death riddle. Uh, the Weekly World News, or just the news, the, the paper, <laughs> the paper, uh, ran the Adamski story on October twenty seventh, nineteen eighty one, under the title "Death Strikes from Space." He's stuck to his story in the years since, though. Though he regrets how it was picked up by the papers and blown up. "Quote: I wish I'd never seen the UFO, particularly because of the effects on my children." He said, "That's a lot." That is a lot. You're 100% correct there. A lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack. And now we're going to unpack the theories that have been put forward in all this yes, mess. Of which there are many. The number one theory thrown about is that Mr. Adamski was the hapless victim of an alien abduction. Right? There was uh, already reported activity in the area, uh, subsequent activity in the area. And uh, there's nothing aliens want more than watches and wallets. They know how to fence something. Yeah. So he was picked up on his way to the grocery 
killed while abducted and gently dropped onto a coal pile 20 miles away. Todd Morden and Tingley were actually in a UFO hotspot at the time, and the Pennine Mountain Range of Yorkshire, uh, I guess, has a high occurrence of UFO and spook light sightings. Pennine is a boy's name. It is a boy's name. And what a what a world for a UFO abduction to lead the charge in what could have killed this poor man. Yeah. Now that that is kind of fascinating to me because uh, as as you look at that, as you look at kind of like you know how this whole thing lays out, I'm not saying that UFO is ever near the top of any investigator's head or even in the top 100. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is strange when you have what, what would potentially appear to be an abduction, the holding of someone, mm-hmm. the torture of that person, and ultimately the death of that person and then a dumping of the body. Yeah. And like you said, UFO probably wasn't wasn't on the list for the people who were investigating the the case that has just gained popularity over the years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they basically said it was a heart attack and case was not closed, but until, unless someone came forward and said, I did this, the case was closed. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a quote unquote open case. Yeah. Um, the detective in charge of the investigation is no one. The file is at the back of a cabinet in the basement of storage, but it is an open case. Right. Uh, ball lightning has been thrown out there as a culprit in the case. Yeah. But usually it, it's the thing is this, there were no wardrobes in the vicinity. And we've <laughs> clearly established the well. antithesis uh, the, the antipathy between, uh, ball lightning and wardrobes. Yeah, and and there was no front door to open up and just let it out. <laughs> yep, yep. In in this theory, he would be struck with uh, a ball of 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 lightning or fire or plasma, igniting his shirt, melting his wristwatch, and causing disorientation, which made Mister Adamski want to get to the highest point in the area to get a better view of where he was, and other improbable things that just kind of get tacked on. That is the worst fucking explanation I have ever heard for something in this podcast. <laughs> well, while it might explain the burns and the removal of a shirt that may have caught fire, why would he be gone for five days and end up 20 miles away? Also, no scars on his wrist from a melted wristwatch and no witnesses to a, a, burned bedraggled man who is disoriented yeah. and wandering tw- for 20 miles. Right. And this, this pile of coal is not like in the middle of nowhere. It's right. part of like a building complex. It's yeah, and the, a train there's yard places and like, to go. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, not, uh, not, not the best explanation. So, I mean, Hey, points to UFO on that one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Some people have postulated that he may have taken his own life. Uh, apparently he had applied for early retirement from the colliery and been denied, which was depressing. But the reason he wanted early retirement is the same reason he wouldn't have committed suicide. His wife, Lottie, had multiple sclerosis and her health was getting worse. 
he would not have left her to fend for herself. All friends and family corroborated that. Uh, Now, Zygmunt was known to have some health issues himself. Uh, He had chronic bronchitis due to a heavy smoking habit and also had a heart condition. Not to mention, I'm sure, a significant amount of coal dust in his lungs. Oh, yeah. But he apparently had never had a heart attack and had no known enemies and no history of strange behavior. That was That's kind of the sticking point for a lot of people investigating this is, by all accounts, he was just a normal guy just going through life and boom, he's dead. And how? Yeah. You know, like, it is a little suspect to say... Well, I, I think it looks like he may have died of a, uh, a heart attack. He had a heart condition. He had bronchitis. He smoked heavily. That stuff starts adding up together. Yeah. You know? I think that, like, I mean, now, I can imagine, like, a scenario by which he was medically in trouble. Uh-huh. If he, I mean, I don't know how he would explain five days being missing, but I, I, I also can't ignore the 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 quote the the seeming coincidence of like he lived his life as a guy working around coal and ended up on a pile of coal 20 miles away from where he lives yeah there, there's not much to be coincidenced there i don't think yeah although 20 miles is a long way yeah yeah it is a chunk of change it's a grip of distance son <laughs> now there's there's not much to be said in the way of explaining mr godfrey's abduction encounter like that's this guy's story he's he's stuck to it people have asked him about it he's been interviewed you can find uh youtube clips and stuff where he's talked to people about it even with um there's one where he was on a a morning show i think on the bbc and david ike is sitting next to him and is like oh "Oh, that's fascinating oh tell me more you know and so you can't really like uh, or, or i don't want to say much about much more about his case or try and like debunk it or something. You know what I mean? Cause right. it's, it's the guy's story. He, he either experienced something or he didn't. And I think it's an interesting addendum to this story in, since we're talking about UFOs and, you know, it was a, like you said, subsequent, uh, activity in the region, but yeah, I don't feel the need to, to like call him out on anything in this. No, I mean, I have a, a little personal theory that I just worked up that might involve a slight calling out, but it's just one I invented, but I'm certainly going to talk about it when we get to that point. Uh, for Godfrey? No, for uh, Adamski. Oh, okay. Well, we're pretty much at the point. There's um, there's a little bow to tie on this. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you, if you found it or not, but a follow-up was done in 2008 by John Hansen and David Sankey of the British... UFO Research Association, and according to their investigation, quote, It was said by one source that Adamski was not looking forward to giving his goddaughter away, as he felt the responsibility should have been carried out by someone else within the family circle, who, unfortunately, at that particular time, he had been on bad terms with. And then said of uh, Trevor Parker, who first saw Mr. Adamski's body, quote, He'd started work that morning at 8 a.m. and left a call yard and attended at about 11 a.m. to visit other premises, not returning until 4 p.m. On his return, he found a deceased lying face down approximately 10 feet up the pile of anthracite beans, man-made coal, with his head facing the top of the heap. 
So it would appear that Mr. Adamski. Now, see, look, now I'm talking about the dead guy and I'm doing an accent. I'm just running right into my previous comment. <laughs> but fine. I don't know. You're right, Flora. There's no winning this. <laughs> so it would appear that Mr. Adamski was taken there after 11 a.m. as the bunker was in full view of Mr. Parker. They also deduced from a photograph taken at the scene that Mr. Adamski had been lying face down at first and turned over to his back judging by the coal residue on his face. A line of inquiry conducted by UFO magazine supposedly turned up a story about Mr. Adamski having a falling out with a family member, who then locked Zygmunt in a shed. Trying to escape, he came in contact with battery acid, burning his neck. And then an odd addition to the story, Dave, apparently there were also round burn marks on his skin in places. The investigators suggested, quote, that Mr. Adamski had been receiving moxibustion treatment from an unidentified acupuncturist in Nelson. This treatment consists of placing small glass or bamboo jars or cups containing a cotton ball soaked in alcohol against the skin and igniting it. This treatment is often used for rheumatism and painful joints, sprains, paralysis, and asthma. Cupping. Cupping. So apparently... I mean, according to one source, he was getting cupping treatment. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. And if that's true, that is hardly ever reported in the story, that you would obviously see some of these round marks. Yeah. Those would be real clear. That would be exactly the kind of thing an autopsy would see right away. Yeah. Shortly after his disappearance, Lottie is said to have mentioned her belief that Zygmunt had been kidnapped. More details were presented by the investigators, including the family trouble, saying, quote, Mr. Adamski has fallen out with <laughs> Mr. Adamski had fallen out with an immediate male family member whose wife, being a friend of Mrs. Adamski, had allegedly, quote, sought sanctuary with them following an injunction being taken out by her against him from, uh, from the risk of further harassment and intimidation. And it's also believed, rightly so, it seems, that the stories linking a UFO to his death surfaced over a year later after the tabloids ran stories. So keep in mind, remember those, those UFO stories happened after Godfrey had his encounter and uh, more than a year after both the things had taken place. 1981... Yeah is when they, they're September and October of 81. That's a, over a year from, right. it's sort of gotten conflated in the meantime. That it was all, yeah, that it was all part and parcel and everyone's worried all at once about it. Right. So, so what did we just read here, Dave? What do, what do we have now from these, uh, these guys' findings? Ultimately, we have sweet Fanny Adams. I, I disagree. I think we have what we, what we need. What do you got? Well, he was... He had a falling out with a family member. Uh-huh. He wasn't pleased about the goddaughter getting married. The wife thought he was kidnapped. Uh-huh. Someone, I think it said at some point, called or, or someone talked to a person that is said that he lo- either locked him or, or knew he got locked up in a shed. And if you put all that together, it does sound like he went off to the grocery store got picked up by could be this this um 
the person, the male family member he had a falling out with. Or, or actually was actively seeking that person out. Or, yeah, or went to find him. Or it could be this, um, this guy that the, the wife's friend's husband, you know, the, the uh-huh. one that, uh, I guess she got a restraining order against this guy. Maybe, maybe Zygmunt, you know, got t- tangled up in that. Obviously something was going on there. Anyway, got picked up. Put in the shed, locked up. Didn't want him around for the wedding. Maybe he would have tried to stop the wedding or something. I, I, you know, that's all supposition. Yeah. But locked him up, let fed him, let him shave, let him bathe, let him take care of himself. They didn't want him to die or yeah, maybe even be hurt at all. They just wanted him out of the picture for a while, and then Zygmunt tried to escape. Like it said, came in contact with battery acid. I don't know that it would have been a torture, something like a torture, you know, that they would have put battery acid on him and then tried to put some kind of gel on to, like, heal it up. Or yeah. if he would have accidentally gotten battery acid and maybe, you know, he tried to find something, some gel to put on there. Anyways, somehow he either got loose, had a heart attack, or, my opinion, more likely he died, he had a heart attack while... Uh, in these people's custody. Yeah, and then they just had to ditch the body. And they had to get rid of, you know, and maybe he wasn't dressed. Uh, maybe he, I don't know. It, there, there was, there's there got to be some kind of state of undress for them to maybe hastily put it all together and then uh-huh. get rid of him really quickly. Now, how he got to the coal yard, who put him there, how they did it, you know, maybe tossing him up there, I don't know. That's what all that... Uh, from that 2008 investigation, that's what it sounds like to me happened. Now, now here's let me tell you why I'm I, I put my nickel in the sweet Fanny Adams bucket because there's so many details, even even chasing down the the life and experiences of the the primary uh, constable on the case, and yet. Every, every reference is to a family member. Like this guy, like no one could provide a name for this guy. No one went and go talk to these people. You know, like who is this family member? What is the circumstance? Why is it so vague? It is almost purposefully vague. You know, it doesn't say, oh, no, his cousin, his guy, the Stuart Farnham is a real, real piece of work, you know. So it keeps important details vague it feels like no one went to this guy's house no one looked for a room where a guy could have been kidnapped you know what i mean like things that on the surface are very easy to check and also again this all this information that makes this timeline is information that comes out far later and in only like singular sources i see what you're saying yeah um and so that's why i'm like i mean I don't find it more convincing than the UFO theory because it follows a same, oh, if this information came out X number of years later and it draws a straight line and I don't care which direction that that arrow goes, you know, whether it be to UFOs or something mundane, but like, oh, I can, with all this information I have later that is has glaring factual omissions, this is what happened, you know, and, and so... I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like any of that is wildly convincing to me. You want to hear my absolute pure conjecture, something that I have fabricated my own self in my mind? No. And now time for pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. 
Zygmunt Adansky was born in 1923. In 1944, he'd be 21 years old. Okay. He is prime war age okay. in Poland. Mm-hmm. And there is a, I mean, I, I looked this stuff up. I mean, I couldn't find any information about him. Everything that I found said he was born in Poland. He moved to England in, in the 50s. What if he was a war criminal? And what if someone tracked him down? So you, you think that possibly he could have fought and... Oh, I mean, yeah, I would be... I don't know how you could be living in Poland at that time in history and not fought on some level or another. Mm-hmm. But, and again, I cannot make this more clear. This is wild speculation on my part. And I'm just creating a theory. What if he was some kind of war criminal? What if he was a sympathizer? Mm-hmm. What if he did what he had to do to survive at that time? He comes back to England because there were people tracking these people down. There were people with vendettas in the world that were doing things. Again, can't say it enough. Wild speculation. What if Adamski had to do some pretty rough stuff to stay alive during the war? Someone tracked him down, kidnapped him, tortured him for a while. I agree with you. I don't think the death was intentional. Kept him fed, but also kept him incarcerated and was, I mean, battery acid is a a hard thing to get on you accidentally. I was thinking about that. That is a hard thing to come into accidental contact with. Is it just sitting around in jars in 1980? Like, right. So, so that's, I think, I think that he was, uh, I think he was kidnapped. I think he was deliberately tortured, you know? So, and that's, so anyway, I don't know. I just put together a little theory based on his date of birth, based on where he that's was a, living. That's and the fact, a great point to, yeah, to bring up. And the fact that, that people make a point of explaining how painfully average this guy was. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, maybe I've watched too many movies. Maybe I haven't watched enough movies. I don't know. Well, that's a theory. You know, it, it smells of Edward Leedskalnin in a way. You know how, how average <laughs> rich, he was rich in Leeds Florida? Skullin scent. What? That rich, rich lead Scotland scent. The uh, the Latvian lilacs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know how everybody was like, well, he's he's just a dude. He there's nothing nothing much to him. He goes to church. He cooks hot yeah. dogs in a differential. Like that's all there there is to it. <laughs> you know, he's one of those guys. <laughs> uh, but but as we found out, he was involved in some crazy stuff before he got to the states. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, why, why not Zygmunt? It's uh, uh, as, as good a, as any, I, I guess. But um, I should point out that we don't know for sure if it was battery acid that, that got dropped on him or, or True. that got Still on Still chemical burns. Just seemed like, seemed like chemical burns. And you know what? Maybe it, it's possible, I guess, that something could have happened with the cupping. You know, so, yeah. something could have uh, gotten out of control on that and burned. I would, I would think if you're lighting cotton balls near your skin something bad's gonna happen right yeah it's not gonna work out either way like it it is a mystery yeah it is we a great one probably will never know how it happened what happened but in my opinion i think we could probably rule out the ufo angle (laughs) i agree i agree with that this is uh not so far-fetched that that we need to turn to the stars to figure it out (laughs) 
Thanks, thanks, Christopher Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. time. You know what? Smart. You know what makes me sad about that too is that the constable's UFO abduction story is pretty great. Right. Like, I feel bad that a really cool abduction account kind of got swallowed up on accident by something else. It, and it's weird how that all happened, but because yeah. he was the first one. Uh, or one of the first ones on the scene to investigate, and then that happened to him that just sort of sewed them together in the minds of the public later on, or maybe the tabloids sewed them together, and you know, yeah, you know, the the paper did it. Big boy did it. Now, there's one last fun fact about this that I just learned. The village, the the town in which he was found, Todd Morden. Todd Morden, yeah. You know what that translates to in German? Oh, that's right. Death, Death murder. murder. <laughs> <laughs> Death murder England. That that is true. You know, when I was first looking at the the research for this, I was like, that's fake. That's a fake town. I've yeah. solved the case. The case is that this whole thing's fake. Yeah, and, and it's I, not. I, it is not. So now there you and go. now yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Now that yeah. now that you say that and they say that is not German. It does come from Old English. Uh, that means there's, let's see, wood is in there. Um, sorry, I, for, I I read what the Todd Morden, the um, Old English for it, and it's something, something wood, but I, I, I forgot. It wasn't murder death. But um, what, one other thing, since, since you brought that up, that reminded me another reason that the UFO could have been tied into this was because of George Adamski which was a famous California UFO hoaxer. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. And I can see, especially how a search engine would put those together. Yeah, yeah. But I think people already knew his name from the 70s, maybe. And if you're talking about something with UFOs and Adamski, this guy, yeah. this hoaxer guy's name's going to come up, and that will get you some confusing cross-pollination. Yeah. So, yeah, throw, throw that out there, too. Whew. Yeah, so there you go. That's the bizarre death of Zygmunt Adamski in a coal-covered, gel-encrusted <laughs> Yorkshire nutshell. Whew. Yeah. And uh, again, as sort of the, the after dinner meant maybe to kind of take some of the, the weird kidnap-murder tragedy out of your mouth, uh, how about some puns, Flora? How about some puns? I guess we can. <laughs> With that enthusiasm, I think we yeah. can. It's always weird. We it's can. always weird on a on one of those, you know. Oh yeah. But we're gonna do it anyway. Some palate cleansing puns. <laughs> tweet your uh, disgust for these puns. That's uh, our new tweet handle. It's at Dave at, Stecco. And it's at uh, Real Donald Trump at yeah. Twitter. <laughs> <That's> our, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Send it. Send it to somebody who's not us. Uh, you go first. Okay. One of the the biggest tragedies of the whole thing was that the detectives investigating this this crime um, failed to establish a a cordon around uh, where the body was found, and they certainly didn't monitor it, which could have absolutely solved this crime because everybody knows that a murderer always returns to the anthracite of the crime. It's anthracite. Coal, man-made coal, answer Good site. stuff. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, what do you got? Um, all the strange occurrences of UFOs and sightings in Yorkshire have caused many people to gape in awe at the sky 
and suddenly crash into lampposts and trees, knocking out teeth and such, Dave. What? Yeah, it's it's a terrible, terrible um, byproduct of, of all these sightings. And that's why they visit the tooth restoration specialist at Toddmore Dental Works. Nice. I get you. I get you. You know, one of the reasons that may have contributed to the fact that this is still an unsolved mystery was that the police never really devoted their full time or resources to it because even on the day it was happened, it was very obvious this was a cold case. Cole. Cold case. Cole apostrophe D. That, that was that was a little shadow knifey. <laughs> you know, there was a tabloid that didn't last too long because it was all about glorifying wimps and sissies. <laughs> I want that tablet so much. Shockingly, it was <laughs> Go ahead. It was intimidated by the stronger papers into closing down after just a few issues. It was the weakling world news. <laughs> I like that one. I like that a lot. <laughs> Whips and sissies. <laughs> Whips and sissies. Oh, them's them's puns. And now let's crack the uh the case files on your stories. These tongue tongue listener mail. I'll start us off here with one from Brian. Hi, Brian. They call him Brian. I uh, wouldn't say I'm a longtime listener subscriber, but I love what you guys do. You you got me through L.A. traffic for many months. I used to deliver caskets there, and let me tell you, driving a 23-foot box truck in a in that hell hole is not exactly good for the blood pressure. <laughs> yeah. Not sure if you guys have already done a Sea Monsters episode, but if you hadn't, I'd love to hear one. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I couldn't that. tell you if, yeah, I couldn't tell you if we have either. Oh, no. We separated it out, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Because it came up a lot in the Living Dinosaurs episode. And that episode went so well for us, we can't wait to try another one. <laughs> uh, I don't know what selection method you use for your bull phone calls, but I'd love to do one if you were interested. Well, there is a method we do, and it's called paying us $100 on Patreon. Like, oh, Actually, there, there's no secret to how we select for bull phone. It is the $100 Patreon level reward. So yep, yep. that's how that works. <laughs> yep, over on Patreon. That is uh, that is what you get if you yeah. give us $100. We have never made any bones about the fact that we are for sale. And it, it really did work well for Emma. Yeah. And that was, that was awesome. It was righteous. It, well, should be told it worked well for us because that's Emma's what I, awesome. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Should have said with Emma. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed the Cahokia Redux. Uh, I studied archaeology in school, though my specialty was in early Mesoamerican cultures slash underwater archaeology, and I love the straight-out archaeology nerd perspective that finally got to be told. Uh, if only more people knew it wasn't all about whips and arcs and old Scottish guys scaring seagulls with their umbrellas. Uh, I remembered yeah. my Charlemagne. Let my <laughs> armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds and the sky. Good God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's not old Scottish guys scaring seagulls. It's Old dudes with short shorts, and their balls are showing. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for helping me actually have fun while I fight traffic, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Brian. 
got an email from Brunhilde with lots of umlauts. Oh, uh, Brunhilde rides. Uh, Brunhilde writes. Hi guys. Hi. Uh, as I was suddenly stricken with blurry photos, inspired poetry, I could not resist writing my brain farts down. <laughs> um, just don't sketch them. If the poem is not too bad, it could be something for a ghost story or Halloween episode. Please, please feel free to modify it if you like. Uh, about the German Christmas sweets, I'll be contacting you as advised in September, October. So when the sweets are in stores again, yes, please. I happen to know two ladies who would love to see those and to see them with their mouths. <laughs> Flora, you want to you want to strap on this uh, poet? Uh, you're, I feel like you're this podcast poet laureate. What hides so deep in the woods at night when the snow falls softly on taiga trees? Is it the crone Baba Yaga? Of children she'll eat every piece. Or is it tall with monstrous claws and was once Uncle Joe? He ate his wife, an unborn child. Dear fear the windigo. Or does it wait so patiently, just barely out of sight? No, he's not thin. He's slender, man and visits you at night? Or is it transdimensional and warns of future woe? Please just don't kill him right away. The Mothman mercy show, Dave. Nope, nope, nope. From others, dear, you cannot run or hide or them forget. They taint your soul forevermore and then your fate is set. Beyond the stars, the madness crawls in oceans deep submersed. Don't seek it, child, for otherwise, with knowledge, you'll be cursed. Instead, best stay at home, my dear, when darkness outside falls. Let's look at blurry photos here, till dreamless slumber calls. Beautiful! That, that's f***ing awesome! That is the maximum seed that I'm so much, I'm so glad that you read that, because I would have, <laughs> like, it would have made it sound terrible. That was great. Thank you, Brunhilde. Yeah. yeah, thank you. You know, I'll tell you what, that would be kind of like a cool t-shirt thing if it was just like a, like oh, a yeah. you know, like a 20s or, you know, like 1800s era thing, like a, the, the, the letterboxed with little curly cues around it and just that in the middle of a shirt. Yeah, yeah. Or one of those things where the words like make the shape of like a, a creature or something. Yeah. That's fun. This one comes to us from Esben. Hi, Esben. Ring, ring. Denmark calling. I am Esben and still pissed. What? And by pissed, I mean angry, since I am a recovering alcoholic. Three and a half years deep in boredom. Not really angry, though. Oh, okay. So, first of all, how do you define a cryptid? Can it also be humans just not found or proven to exist? Excellent question. The, the question of what we determine to be a, a cryptid or not has uh, come up a lot recently, especially <laughs> with the 2017 Miss Cryptid contest. And, I mean... Listen, the, the fact is, there's, uh, and I don't know, I don't know who won the 2017 Miscripted Contest. Yet. Yet. But there is a very good chance, or at least a 33.3% chance, that what is clearly a non-cryptid could win the 2017 <laughs> Miscripted Contest. So, uh, I, for me, a cryptid's where I see it. I, I know a cryptid's when I see it. Yeah, um... I mean, classically, it's it's a creature that's hidden or unknown, you know, thought to exist. But you you can't really measure the cryptid contest uh, against that too, because we put mythological creatures, we put folklore in there, uh, yeah. and talking animals. So, 
as as far as humans and stuff, I would say if it's humanoid, it would yeah. it would count. But if you if you knew of a of a tribe of Neanderthals living somewhere, I'd count that as a cryptid. Esben says, I had this girlfriend. I had a bad temper, didn't work out. She's from Jakarta, Indonesia. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, I went there twice last year. Me being a cryptid fan, of course, had to ask her about the Orang Pindek, which is a a humanoid, uh, an ape. I I can't remember if we covered that one or not. I feel like we've either at least said it, but it might have been in last year's miscrypted. I can't remember. Um, that's, that's how great I, I am at taking my job <laughs> seriously. And apparently she got uh, irritated at Esben. And then he asked her mom, and her mom wasn't having it. She said, how does he know about that? And they didn't want to talk about it. Anyways, um, 2005, 2006, he was a contractor at the U.S. Air Force Base at Thule Air Force Base in Northwest Greenland. And he was talking to a guy from the east coast of Greenland. And the guy was talking about sightings in an area called Skjöldungen, which is deep, uh, which has deep fords and vast and empty wildlands. And apparently people have claimed to see indigenous people like forgotten tribes or something. Yeah. Or Kivitok, which is mountain walkers. An old way for people who didn't fit in was, uh, or were, were mentally ill or for some reason cast out of the tribe, they went to into the land and walked and ev- eventually died. And he's heard of these people in the Skjöldungen uh, area, I guess several times, and studies of the gene pool of the Greenlandic Inuit people of today showed that they entered Greenland from the north at about the same time uh, as the Norse, but there were already people there. <laughs> Those even more indigenous people then were possibly killed or driven driven off by the Inuits coming in from Canada. But areas like Skjöldingen, they didn't they didn't get there much because I think it's so wild and stuff. But he plans on going there someday. Hopefully, do a walkabout. Awesome. Uh, sorry for the long mail. That's okay. P.S. Sorry for the long mail. That's, that's okay. So. <laughs> I don't think he is, and he shouldn't be. <laughs> Thank you, Esben. Yeah, thanks, Esben. I uh, got an email here from Nick. Yep. Uh, Nick says, what's up, Dave? What's up? Well, you know, doing all right, doing all right. Thanks a lot because of your awesome show. I barely ever watch TV or listen to music anymore. It's okay. I still love it. Yeah, don't let us be the only thing you hear because that will warp your <laughs> world. Uh, I've been listening to your show for a little over a year and have turned at least one of my friend, close friends uh, to, onto your shindig. Thanks. Thank you. We love it when friends turn friends onto our shindig. Uh, I even bought that that friend one of your logo shirts. Woo! Oh. Now I'm je- jealous every time he wears it. Well, there's Nick, a, there's a, moment, a remedy might, to that. Yeah, you might even just win one for free if you if you voted for Ms. Cryptid. Uh, Nick's got a couple of puns here for us. Uh, you guys have be- some beautiful solitary vocals. I like to think of, think of them as my weekly stirring solos. I get it. I get it. I get it. There was a cryptid who renounced his evil ways but could not give up his hatcheting ways. Uh, he joined the church and became the Pope man. Popeman. Popeman. There was a burrito-consuming dino who wanted to share his Chipotle with all the world. He was a Tyrannosaurus next. Oh. Not- ay, 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 ay. Do it, Flora. What what am I doing? Hachi Mama. Oh. Hachi Mama. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> uh, and finally here we've heard from Trish the Dish. Oh, hello. I'm a recent listener and have been bouncing around episodes. Uh, I was just listening to the Bunyip episode and heard Flora's umpteenth rant about Sandhill Cranes. I could take it no longer. I must defend the Sandhill Crane theory in the case of the Mothman because it was my grandfather 
a wildlife biologist at West Virginia University, who proposed it. What? You will not have his blood, sir. If I must fight you to defend his honor, Flora, I will gladly do so. Great show, guys. Keep on trucking. <laughs> P.S. to Flora, Sandhill Crane, Sandhill Crane, Sandhill Crane, Sandhill Crane, <laughs> about 20 times. Uh, and then, sir, I'll tell you what. I wish we had more emails where people offered to fight us. <laughs> I respect that. Oh, wait, Thanks, we've got Trish a follow-up. Also from Trish the Dish, I meant Stecco. My apologies to Mr. Flora. <laughs> it was me the whole time, and I was kind of enjoying that you were getting tarred <laughs> with that particular epithet. Oh, man. that What a, what an emotional roller coaster, Trish. Right? <laughs> really covered a lot of territory there. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I'm the one with the real grudge against the Sandhill Crane. But then again, I've been to the nation's Sandhill Crane capital. Can you say the same, Trish? Can Her you? grandfather proposed the Sandhill Crane was Mothman theory. That's true. That's, That's true. That All is right. ground zero. That is true. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I'm just glad I'm just gr- glad that we have some of the lineage here yeah. on hand. So thanks, Trish. <laughs> thank you. The dish. And thanks, and thank everyone. all of you for writing in. We do love those emails, even though we're still not quite sure what to do with all of them. But uh, keep the suggestions coming in. We're working on it. And now, time for what everyone's been waiting for for a month. That's right. The, the results of the 2017 Ms. Cryptid Contest. Will it be the Wampus Cat, Hoover the Talking Seal, or the Popobawa? dun 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 it's tough. Six-legged cat, uh, an African s- s- sex burglar, or a talking seal. Yep, yep. What? What's I, your gut know, say, Dave? I know what my heart wants. My well, heart. Don't go with your heart. Go with your head. <laughs> what? Think it through. Oh boy, I, I mean, have the results here in this steel-lined yeah, case. The oh, the lining God. doesn't really do anything but make it. You heavy. know what? I, I'm 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 going with the uh, Hoover the talking seal. You've thought it through. Yep. Okay. Well, the results have been tabulated, and the winner of the 2017 Miss Cryptid Contest is Hoover the talking seal. Yeah! Get over here! You're a winner. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, see, you don't even have to be a cryptid to win it. And that's what I love about this game. Right. Wow. Magnificent. Hoover. Oh, Hoover. He joins such luminaries as the Bat Squatch, Jeff the Talking Mongoose, the Beast of Jevoudan. The Beast, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Le Bête du Gévaudan. Absolutely glorious. Yeah, congratulations, Hoover. Yes. And now, Flora, to oh find out goodness. who wins the 2017 Ms. Cryptid Prize Pack. Thanks, everybody, for voting and participating. Shattered records. Yes, it did. And broke some hearts. Ripping farts and breaking hearts. That's what we do here, ladies and gentlemen. Dave has it. I do have it. I do have it. The winner of the 2017 Ms. Cryptid Prize Pack is Marie. 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 Yeah, I mean, obviously, we can't release more information because, you know, it's the internet and it's the common. Uh, not, is, not Maria. 
No, that's correct. Just it is M A R I E. And uh, if that uh, that uh, to to narrow that down, that is a yahoo.com email address. So All right, congratulations, Marie. Absolutely, congratulations to you. I'll shoot you an email, Marie, so we uh, can get that squared away. Yep. So thank you guys. Thank you all for voting for the gloriousness that is the the Ms. Cryptid contest. We have just 11 short months before we're right back in the thick of it again. It'll That's be back right. before you know it. it it's always, it always back before is. we know it. <laughs> um, uh, thank you once again to uh, the uh, Chicago Podcast Cooperative, which That's is a right. glorious uh, bunch of misfit podcast mercenaries making their way in the war-torn uh, internet world. If you can find them, and if you can afford them, maybe you can hire a podcast from the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. That's right. Such as Flora. Such as Cinema Jaw. Check out yep. uh, Cinema Jaw, film reviews, interviews, and more. But if you want to put them on an airplane, you're going to have to knock them out. <laughs> uh, also, uh, don't forget to uh, like us on Facebook. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Yes. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Don't forget the elegant ladies of candy chat uh they are at candy chatters on twitters we are uh blurry underscore photos on twitter uh don't forget to visit uh patreon.com slash blurry photos if you want to become a regular participant in this uh in this runaway train wreck of a podcast that we so much enjoy or if you want to uh, get on can, a bull phone that's right oh yeah if you want to get on bull phone it's all there for you <laughs> um uh, don't forget audible trial slash blurry photos. Get yourself a free book. Give us a monetary high five. Everybody wins. If you don't want it, cancel. You get to keep the book. No harm, no foul. Say out of mother for me. It's going to be fine. So thanks, you guys. You guys are magnificent. You're the ones who, who make this work. So I appreciate it. That's Actually, right. Floor is the one who makes it work. But then you guys also really help a lot, too. So, so don't go pissing me off, eh? That's right. That's right. So for this episode of Blurry Photos... I have been David. Go over Flora. And I've been Dave. Is is it disrespectful to do an accent now? Stecco. So come on down to the Blurry Photos Podcast where, where the, the whole family gets, gets its bite. bite.